views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you tuning us in and turning us on. Uh, we have got an amazing show for all of you today. Uh, first, we're going to start off with Dr. Judith Orloff. But uh, before we um, before I, I introduce her and her, her fabulous new book, please make sure that you know that we are doing Facebook Live video today show with uh, Chef Rossi on bullying. So, yep. You heard it right. That's what the Facebook posts have been about. And uh, we're really thrilled to be able to do this. You know, for some of us, we have walked around most of our lives and been called too sensitive. We've been called a little bit like sponges, soaking things up, not knowing how to process the world around us not knowing how to process the people that are close to us. But what is it about us so-called sensitive people that is both a blessing and a curse? That's my language. Dr. Judith Orloff is joining me here today, is the author of a new book, The Empath's Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People. It is a New York Times bestseller, and there's a very good reason why. There are those in the world right now, empaths we like to call them, that are showing up and cannot absolutely handle everything that is being stimulated in the world today. And what are we to do? Today, we're going to take a look at what Dr. Judith Orloff has said about this. But most importantly, you know, this amazing author, psychiatrist, empath, best-selling author, you know, all of the above is bringing this conversation now to the forefront because more than ever, folks are out there in the world absorbing things and not know what to do with it. But that's my language. Dr. Orloff, it's great to have you here. Oh, thanks, Dr. Pat. I'm happy to be on your show. You know, um, I kind of like look at it as you heard me mention the term sponge, and that's not to put anybody down. But I know for somebody like me, that's me. I mean, I could soak up just about everything that I put my eyes on, put my ears to, and certainly am in front of. What is it from your your words? What is it the the the, the idea about empaths 
that most people don't understand, or are they just misunderstood? Right. Well, I'm a psychiatrist in Los Angeles, and I'm also an empath, and I have been an empath since I've been a child, so I didn't always understand the abilities. And as an empath, the gifts that you have, you have intuition, you have openness, you have depth, you have connection to nature, you're givers, and you're compassionate. But on the downside is that empaths don't have the same filters that other people have or the same guards up. And so they become, as you said, emotional sponges taking on the emotions, physical symptoms, and energies of the world into their own bodies. And so without the protection strategies I talk about in the book, empaths can suffer tremendously from exhaustion, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, mystery symptoms, depression, anxiety. But when they learn strategies, and I can testify to this, that then their empathy and their deep empathic nature becomes a total gift. Yeah, you know, and and this is really part of what I learned. And, you know, it took me a really long time in my life to learn it. And I just want to say that it took me to the point of what was it 14 years ago doing a radio show that I realized that there was this thing that would happen to me where I would sort of all of a sudden, you you know, doesn't this sound like, this is like street talk now, sort of all of a sudden realize that I'm hearing something or I'm feeling something and then out of my mouth comes a question. And (laughs) people would say to me, where do you get these interesting questions from? And, you know, now I know I've read many of the things you've written, but I've also read this book. And I now know is it is something that is going on that happens instantaneously. Yet, don't we really suffer in a sense from people wanting us to kind of get over it? You know, we get a hit, let's call it immediately, cannot necessarily explain it. And then I don't know about you, but sometimes the folks around me think I've kind of lost it. Yeah, well, I think that's the the emotional evolution and the conversation that I've been starting up on my book tour with, you know, the Empath Survival Guide is, you know, what does it mean to be an empath? What has happened in our culture that we disparage it and we put sensitive people down? I mean, how crazy is that? I mean, we want sensitivity, but we also want the strength not to absorb the energy of others into our own bodies. And that's the key thing that most people don't know how to do. And that's why I wrote this book. You know, I want to ask you, um, the idea of writing this book, I mean, timing is everything someone once said to me a a while ago. Um, But, you know, when I ask that question now, is it because of what's going on in the outside world or is it because perhaps there's new understandings in neuroscience and the sciences that help us with this? Well, it's really interesting when a book comes out. I didn't know. It's a many-year process (laughs) for a book to come out. So you don't really know when it's coming out. And I am so happy that the Empath Survival Guide has come out now because the percentage before that research gave for sensitive people was 20% of the population. And now, I mean, I swear there are more and more empaths coming out of the closet because the stress of today's world is beating their defenses down. So Mm. people who normally had all these defenses up are suddenly becoming empaths and absorbing all this stress from our, you know, geopolitical, social environment and don't know how to handle it. 
So it's a real phenomenon now. It's not just the 20%. There are more and more people who you know, just beaten down by the stress of our world and need help. Um, you know, I, I, here's one of the things that, I, that, I, that I've noticed and I've been asked about. You know, I've been asked about, well, Pat, gee, you know, when was the last time you saw so many celebrities, let's say, come to the forefront and want to speak about things in the world? When was the last time? And I thought to myself, it's interesting to see the people that are coming forth. I, and I wondered this question, uh, Dr. Orloff, I wondered the question of, are these people empaths? Are these the people that are pretty much saying, I have pretty much had enough and I happen to be a celebrity and that means I can actually speak about it? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. In the book, I talk about the celebrities that have come out as highly sensitive people and empaths. Alanis Morissette, who's always been pretty active, you know, in the world, is an empath, Charlotte. Star- Scarlett Johansson has been called a highly sensitive person, and she's an activist now. So I think that's a really interesting question because the empaths can't take it anymore, and they need to either step up in their empowerment, which I'm suggesting, or they're going to become, you know, really tired, you know, like so many empaths are in the world, and they don't have energy to even go outside, or they get depressed, or they get anxious, and you know, many of my patients have come to me saying, I don't know how to handle the stress. All my usual skills aren't working, you know, in this world that's so different now. And so empaths, you know, really need to step up with their meditation practices, with the visualization, with centering, with setting boundaries, with energy vampires. I mean, there are all kinds of strategies that I use every day and discuss in my book that will help you stay strong in the midst of all the stress that's happening now. Yeah. You know, I love that you're really taking this message out there because part of this, and for those that are just tuning in, part of what happens is because your book now is just, you know, hit the shelves, you also get to bring the voice to it now. See, I think that's what I love. You know, that's what I love about being able to write a book several years ago and now being in the forefront talking about this. Because that's sort of, as my uncle would say, um, who used to uh, be in the boxing industry, he used to say to me, kid, that's the one-two punch. Um, (laughs) Because it's one thing to write a book. It's another thing to write a book, have it come to life, and then look at the world around to say, oh, wait a minute. This is bigger than I even imagined. Do you get that moment where you yeah. think this is bigger today than when me, I, Dr. Judith Orloff, when I decided to write this? Yeah, uh, that's so totally true. When I decided to write this, it was for empaths, their family members, their loved ones, and people want to support empaths. But what I didn't realize was that all these, you know, thousands and thousands of new empaths who are being born from, from this world of stress, and it would become such a huge phenomenon. Everywhere I go, people are saying, oh, my God, you're identifying that I'm an empath. I have no idea even what to call it. And it's gotten worse lately. You know, it's gotten worse, and I, I, I'm changing. So that is really fascinating to me. And it's a perfect timing for the book in that it, it can be helpful to people. Yeah, helpful to people, and uh, more importantly, um, you touched upon something. I'd like to talk to you about it when we come back. Uh, you touched upon something very important to me, 
my mother committed suicide when I was six. I believe she was an empath. I believe that there were things in her life that were way, way, way too much to handle. And back then, we didn't have conversations like this. So let's take a short break. When we come back, what are, as as I said before, what are the gifts and what are the curses of being an empath? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Be you plus live your purpose equals joy. That's the motto of Unstuck Joy with Vicki Todd. Vicki believes you were born with gifts that are meant to make the world brighter. Each show will feature an art visioning journal prompt to help you create your way to soul clarity. If you're ready to get unstuck and create more joy, this show is for you. Tune in every month on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit VickiWorldArt.com. Discover the healing medicine from the giant monkey tree frog, Cambo. Cambo practitioner Ginny Rutherford and professional psychic Todd Rolson have come together for lively discussions of alternative healing medicines from the Amazon. Ginny and Todd bring you Cambo Talk Radio. Tune in each Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific to hear from guests all over the world with real life stories and the medicinal benefits of Cambo. For more information, visit CamboKiss.com. Curious about the meaning of life? Do you want to deepen your spiritual practice? The School for Esoteric Studies offers online training to spiritual seekers from all paths of life and individual coaching. Our courses synthesize Eastern and Western spiritual traditions based on meditation, study, and service applied to everyday life. The school also organizes group meditations each year to benefit humanity. Whether you're just beginning to reflect on the spiritual side of your life or are a more experienced spiritual seeker, the school warmly welcomes you to join our group. To learn more about our courses and services, please visit esotericstudies.net. That's esotericstudies.net.
Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat show. And uh, um, yeah, I want to say it's so great to have Dr. Judith Orloff here. She's been on the show several times. I always love what she's bringing to the forefront. And I don't think either one of us knew that the Empath Survival Guide Life Strategies for Sensitive People would be so important in this day and age. Um, Dr. Orloff, before we kind of get back to it, how can people find out more about you and how can they get a copy of the book? Uh, well, the book's available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or, or it can be ordered in any bookstore. Um, and my website is drjudithorloff.com, and I'm on book tour now. I'm giving an event, in uh, two events in Phoenix uh, this coming weekend and in Los Angeles. Uh, May 20th and Esalen Institute in Big Sur, July 28th through 30th for those people who think they're empaths and want to explore this and get to know it and and empower their gifts. Yeah. And, you know, what I want to say about this is if you're thinking, I don't know what an empath is, we're going to talk about that. But here's the question that I want to ask everybody listening to the show. Have you ever found that you feel highly sensitized to things that go on in your life, in your world, in the office? You know, have you felt that in your life? And maybe even to the point where people say, wow, you're just too sensitive, too sensitive. And it shows up in ways you cannot believe. Um, I want to make sure you know that we're going to give a copy of the book away today. Uh, Benny was asking a question that came in, uh, um, Dr. Orloff, about vampires. And I think we should talk about that for a minute. Um, There are people that are sensitive. And then there are people that feed on people that are sensitive. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. The energy vampires. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost as if they could snuff you out. It's almost as if both of these two are so attracted to each other that it's not really a match made in heaven, so to speak. Can you tell us about that dynamic? No, there's a, there's a chapter in the book. It's not a match made in heaven at all. There's yeah. a chapter in the book on um, empaths and how to combat energy vampires such as narcissists, chronic talkers the victim, passive-aggressive people, and how they can drain you, but how you can empower yourself by developing strategies to deal with each type because different strategies apply to each type. So you don't have to invent the wheel when you're at a party and suddenly somebody corners you and starts talking up a storm and you have no idea how to get out of there, you know, because that could drain you. And that's the bane of my existence, the chronic talkers, if they start up, that's the only way to deal with them is to interrupt. They don't understand nonverbal cues. If you take two steps backward, they take two steps forward. And they get in your personal space. They get very close and talk to you. So it's really uncomfortable. And empaths, people who are emotional sponges and take on the energy of others, are often overly polite and just want to please people. And they're good listeners. And so they just stay and listen. And that is the worst possible thing an empath can do. And so with that type of energy vampire, you have to say, you know, I'm so sorry I have to interrupt. And you may have to do it a couple times to get them to take a breath and say, I'm so sorry I have to go to the bathroom. I have to leave and go to another conversation. But the tone of your voice is really essential. So when you first you identify 
the energy vampire, and then you identify the strategy to use. But you memorize all this before you, you go out. So you don't have to do it while you're with the person. And I suggest that people take an inventory of their lives. Who are the positive, loving people and who are the vampires? And then say what type of vampire you have in your life. And then, you know, read the type in the book and then apply those strategies. So it's kind of methodical, you know, which you have to be with these people. And then you can be the empowered one. Yeah. You know, this is part of helping people understand the dynamic of what's going on. And I think that's what's so brilliant about your book and what you're doing, because there is a dynamic. And, you know, there's a dynamic that leads into outcomes that are in life that perhaps you don't really know or understand. Um, You know, there is a level of grieving, there's crying that goes on. You know, what would you say to someone that's empathic, you know, that has this going on in their lives and and they're not getting supportive uh, feedback about this, especially, you know, in in the times of today? Yeah, well, I suggest that, you know, if anybody could come to my event, you know, along my book tour, you could read Kindred Souls or Empath. Yeah. And then I'm suggesting in the book I have a format for forming an empath support group locally so that empaths can have support from people who understand them, and not to make it a pity party, but make it very solution-oriented. You could read, you know, a paragraph from the book, let's say, How to Deal with Energy Vampires, begin to share about the energy vampires in your life and what strategies you can use. So the groups have to be very solution-oriented, not just venting, and I'm really clear about that. Um, and I also have a Facebook empath support community that everyone is invited to join, and it's over 7,000 empaths um, supporting one another. Mm-hmm. So and I have an empath support newsletter on drjudithorloff.com to get support, supportive tools in the newsletter and how you can have solutions to empath issues. So we need education. We need like-minded support. We need to have people who say, I think you're awesome. Tell me about, you know, how you're drained, you know, by this person. I really want to hear about it. And that's so great. You're sensitive, you know, and, and we need to have those people in our lives who can support our sensitivities and say, I love you. I embrace you. You know, I want to know more about it. Well, let's talk about the research, too. You know, we're getting more and more research on this, and we're getting it for a lot of reasons. One, we're getting the research because we're now talking about a level of emotional intelligence. We're talking about, I mean, what is that best-selling book that was out there? What is that called? Quiet about people like me, believe it or not, I am an introvert, real, I mean, I know, right, you're thinking, but I really am, I'm an introvert, I've taken the Myers-Briggs scale, oh, I can't tell you how many times, I score so in the introvert section that I'm in the far, like the small part of the the normal distribution curve, that little teeny part in the corner, And, and, and yet people don't know that about me. So when I show up in public and I don't talk, people think there's something wrong. Mm. Empaths are also categorized as having something wrong with them. Isn't that a stigma in itself to overcome? Yes. Um, and I, I just want to say um, that mm-hmm. empaths can be extroverts or introverts. Or introverts, yep. And so, you know, they're mainly introverts. 
But there are many extroverted empaths, and they love to go out and socialize, but they also need their alone time to replenish themselves, and they need a lot of the, you know, the sensory stimulation, decreasing sensory stimulation that, you know, introverted empaths need. So you can do both. And then in answer to your other question, yes, empaths and sensitive people are stigmatized. Now, there's a chapter in the Empath Survival Guide on raising empathic children and being an empath parent. And, you know, children are stigmatized, particularly boys who are told they're sissies, they're weak, they're bullied, um, because they don't want to do the video games because the video games are too loud and, and assaultive, you know, to their sensibilities. They don't want to go and be a quarterback on the football team. They want to go in the forest and take a walk and meditate and, and write and introspect. And they have great imagination, you see. But in our regular school system, you know, many empaths get bullied and are sissies, you know, called sissies, which is so not true, and it's so harmful to boys. And there's so many boys, you know, that are now men in, in my empath support group on Facebook who talk about that and that shame that they have all these years they carry with them. And so that's part of their healing is to let go of the shame and to be really open to people loving them and accepting their gifts and supporting them, you know, that's the healing. And, and it, for many women, it's, it's so true as well. I was told as a child by my physician mother, you know, honey, why don't you just get a thicker skin? Yeah. And as a child, that feels horrible. It makes you feel like you've done something terrible and yeah. wrong and shameful. And not only that, I didn't want a thicker skin. And that isn't the treatment for empaths to get a, a thicker skin is to become vulnerable but strong. You know, you can meditate back to center and find your center. You know, you can you know, develop shielding techniques to, to protect yourself from energy vampires. You know, you can have the, you know, limitations and boundary setting where you, you could know no is a complete sentence and be able to say no to people. Empaths are really terrible at that, and they pay the price. And so these are just, you know, quick three tools that people can use. But it's Empath 101. They have to do these things to protect themselves. And so there's a, you know, the book is really just saying, here's what you do. I have shared the tools I use in my life because for my own survival, I've had to develop them. And they work. And so you have to really find the tools that resonate most with you that I share in the book and just start using them. And the great gift that you can get is more energy, more clarity, and not feel so defended against the world, like something's going to get you at any moment. Yeah. And, and what happens if you happen to be a child? Let's take a short break and we come back. You know, what is the message from Dr. Judith Orloff for both children and parents? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you looking for the perfect setting for your next workshop or retreat? At Spirit Fire Meditative Retreat Center, cultivating consciousness is what we do best. Our guests count on us to create an atmosphere that supports serenity and well-being. We lead from the heart and create space for the mind. 
Freshly prepared meals designed with local and organic ingredients, 95 acres of beautiful woods and pastures, and a facility built with green in mind. This is what you'll find at Spirit Fire. For more information, visit spiritfireretreatcenter.com. Thrive is what we experience when our mind, body, and soul operate as one. When we thrive, we excel on all levels. Thrive is the mindset that matters. It is essential to our being. Have you ever found yourself looking for the instruction manual on how to thrive? You'll find everything you need to help you feel strong, powerful, and peaceful in your own body. So don't waste any more time. Visit thrivebygen.com today. Tune in to Dynamics of Diversity Radio, scripting the new narrative for immigration with leading experts, Kripa Upadya and Steve Tanijo on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This show will remove the noise that often accompanies discussions on this topic and share a new perspective on the dynamics of immigration and diversity, ever reminding us that together we are all at the core of innovation, excellence, and positive change. Visit OrbitLawPLLC.com for upcoming topics. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. When your body is awakened, your spirit comes alive. Dana Canetto is a transformational guide, embodiment coach, and spiritual mentor assisting women in realigning with their truth and embodying who they are by connecting to the wisdom of their body. Tune in every month on Transformation Talk Radio and the Dr. Pat Show Network for Body Divinity Radio with Dana Canetto. For more information on Dana and her services, visit danacanetto.com. That's D-A-N-A-C-A-N-N-E-T-O.com. Thank you, Benny. Thank you for that music. Dr. Judith Orloff joining me here today. Um, again, please mention, if you would, before we talk about the children, um, how can people get a copy of your book and how can they find out more about you? Uh, well, The Empath Survival Guide, Life Strategies for Sensitive People is the name of the book. And you could get it at Amazon. You could get it at barnesandnoble.com. You could order it at any bookstore. Uh, and I also have a free empath support newsletter on my website, which I send out, uh, which gives empath strategies to cope and become empowered. And you can get that at drjudithorloff.com. And I also have a Facebook uh, empath support group that everyone is invited to join. It's called the Empath Support Community with over 7,000 empaths, um, your kindred spirits, so you don't have to feel alone. And that, that's so important. And I 
And the book also has a guide on how to set up local empath support groups in your communities. And I know a number of churches are doing it, and a number of uh, private individuals are doing it. So that makes me so happy because empaths, you don't need to be alone anymore. There's so many of us out there. I've been traveling the country, and there's so many. And so we need to find our tribe. You, you can't really afford to just feel misunderstood all on your own because the book will offer you tools, and there are communities forming that will offer you tools and, and friendship and love and understanding. So just know that that's out there and you're not alone. Yeah, and there there are tools now. There there are there are ways to reach out and get some help. Um, you know, before the break, I was talking about uh, children, and yeah. the reason I think this is important conversation because I think your book and your message isn't just for children, isn't just for adults, but it's for understanding what kids may be faced today that maybe even you as a parent were not faced with when you were growing up. Even if you're a parent and you're 35 years old, it's not the same, is it? Um, no, it isn't. Um, there's a chapter in the book on raising empathic children and what if you're an empathic parent. Um, and it's, parents are guardians of their children. And so it's their sacred duty to really support the sensitivities of their children and say, when their children say, oh, I don't feel good around that person, you know, and not saying, you know, oh, how can you say that you don't even know the person? You say, well, tell me about it. What are you feeling? You know, and, and encouraging those kinds of intuitions that are so common with empath children rather than putting them down. Or if the child says, you know, oh, I feel so overwhelmed when I'm around this teacher, um, and instead of saying why, the teacher's perfectly fine, which is a put-down statement, you know, say, hey, tell me about it. What are you experiencing with this teacher? So you're honoring your children's perception, and you're exploring what it is they're feeling. And if you're an empath yourself as a parent, you could share, yes, I have the same abilities. I can feel what other people are feeling, but we don't want to take it on in our own bodies. And here's a meditation that we can do together where you just put your hand over your heart and we can both breathe together, and then you could calm yourself down whenever this happens. So that's all very productive, that conversation that I talk about in the book, as opposed to, you know, just get a thicker skin. What are you talking about? You don't even know the person. I can't tell you how destructive that negative comment could be with children, because they feel ashamed, and they feel like they've done something wrong, as I did as a child. I had a very loving mother, and she still said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part of this is to honor, honor those folks as well. I mean, we honor the people that show up as resilient and we have this idea and maybe you can speak to this, but we have this idea that people that are sensitive or highly sensitive are not resilient. And right. I don't know where the heck we get that from, because if anybody is resilient, it is those people that you just mentioned a few today that are out in the world, that are empaths, that are making things happen. Where do we get that idea that empaths are not resilient? Well, um, I think in part it's based on facts, because empaths who are unidentified and un, you know treated. Oh, mm-hmm. tired and exhausted, or they come to me, I'm a psychiatrist, with 
you know, the diagnosis of agoraphobia, All right. panic disorder, or chronic fatigue. If an empath is unidentified and is treated wrongly, let's say with medication, um, then they can feel really terrible. And so they're not that resilient. But once they get the diagnosis of empath, and the way you make the diagnosis is take the quiz in the front of the book, anyone can do the self-assessment to diagnose if you're an empath. You don't need to go to anyone. You could just take the quiz, and if you, you know, get a lot of yeses, then you're at least part empath. And you need to know that because your neurological system is different. You don't have the same defenses up. You process the world differently, and you don't have, quote, a sensory processing disorder, which I just so don't like the name disorder. It's not, yeah. we, don't, we don't have a disorder. We have a gift, but we have to learn tools to ground and balance that gift. That's it. That's it. Every, it's not that empaths are abnormal or need to be fixed. It's none of that. It's just that most people don't understand us, and the medical lexicon doesn't have the context with which to treat empaths because they don't know what empaths are. So that's why I feel so passionate about going on the road about the empath survival guide to educate people. And, you know, it's been so heartening to me, Dr. Pat, because therapists have brought their patients to my talk. I mean, that is so much progress. You know, it just makes me so happy, you know, that therapists in, in service to their patients and, you know, in terms of understanding who they are, they come together. And that's really beautiful. Well, you know, one of the things you said that really, you know, for many people out there is that, uh, we can literally go through an entire lifetime and not realize that there is something that we can do about the way we're feeling. And maybe I'm, I'm not saying it in the most, you know, medical way, but b because this, you know, let's just call it the system right now, um, is getting a little bit better at recognizing that, you know, there are people from all walks of life, from all ages, uh, that do need some help uh, in the world. And if not, if they don't get the help, are there things, outcomes that show up, like addictions, you know, things yeah. of that nature? Yeah, there's a chapter that I've written in the book on empaths and addictions. And that could be the substances, alcohol, food, sex, shopping, uh, bedding, you know, so many things. Because empaths get on sensory overload. And the world just feels like too much to handle. So a lot of the empath patients I treat who are in 12-step recovery, you know, talk about how they just couldn't function with so much input coming in so fast. So they reach for a drink or a drug to numb that. And in, as part of their recovery and being clean and sober is learning to deal with your empathic nature and learn the strategies I'm describing in the book to strengthen yourself so you don't have to turn to an addiction and and then I talk about food addiction in that chapter. Yeah. Um, many empaths can become very overweight because they feel subconsciously they need the extra fat to buffer the absorbing all the negative energy from the world. And they don't do this on purpose, and they don't even know why they're doing it. But mass, literal mass or fat, slows down your ability to absorb. And so the turn of the, the century is often used to be these 300-pound women who claim they needed the fat in order to treat their patients so they didn't take on their pain. 
Mm-hmm. So there's an empathic aspect to overeating. And if that's you, if diets fail and you try your best and you're an empath, you need to know about this element of why you're turning to food. It's like an aha for so many people who, you know, feel like they like to be, you know, a little bit thinner and they can't lose the weight, but they, you know, subconsciously, if they need it to buffer the negativity, then that's, you know, they're never going to lose the weight. So you need to know this element and compassionately deal with it. And I suggest empathic eaters put a meditation pillow by the refrigerator and have that there so they can have a visual cue to sit, meditate, bring yourself together before you open that door, you know, and really, you know, learn to center yourself and with the heart energy and with, you know, your ability of the, to use the breath to center yourself so you can feel consoled before you go to the refrigerator. And it's an important stop step, you know, so you don't just routinely open it. And it really mm-hmm. helps and it's fun. It's kind of fun to have it there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think you're talking about is how do we come to a place of solution? How do we find some tools that are going to work for us? The other thing that I heard you talk about, and maybe you can say more about this, is, you know, today we've just, you know, we're talking mostly emotional. But this is not the only level of of taking in outside things. Isn't smell as well or noise, you know, I mean, how do they, how do they influence someone that is uh, an empath? Well, um, one of the questions, the diagnostic questions I ask in the beginning of the book to Mm -hmm. determine if you're an empath is do noise, smells, or nonstop talkers overwhelm me? Because empaths are noise sensitive, they are smell sensitive. And they can't stand the barrage of lots of words coming at them. Excuse me. And another question is, do crowds drain me? And do I need alone time to revive myself? So, and do I have chemical sensitivities or a low tolerance for scratchy clothes? So those are some parameters to think about, you know, if you are an empath. Because empaths are very sensitive, you know, with all their senses. Like, I could go into an elevator and there could be perfume there, and I could feel like I'm being suffocated yeah. because I'm so smell-sensitive and chemical-sensitive. Um, but another person who's a non-empath could go in and either not say anything or just say, oh, what a pretty smell. Yeah. I have a friend that explained an experience, oh, about a week ago to me, where she got gone on a very busy elevator and everyone had their their phones out, their cell phones. Yeah. She said like 90% of the people had their cell phones out and were texting. And she said she could feel the electromagnetic energy from that. And her head, she said, how did she explain it? She said her head got really, really tight. I mean, yeah. that's a real thing. Well, it's a real thing because if you look at the science behind empaths and empathy, which is in the book, you have electromagnetic fields coming from your heart and your brain. And so you're sensitive to electromagnetic radiation, and empaths are super sensitive. And it's thought that information is transmitted through those electromagnetic fields. The HeartMath Institute has done wonderful research on that. And that empaths can pick that up. So they feel the electromagnetic information coming from people, but also technology. And so there's a section in the book on how to 
decrease your sensitivity, let's say, to phone lines or what you do around computers because you have to, you know, really function around them differently if you're an empath. An empath can even feel the electromagnetic uh, input of solar flares, you know, when they affect the Earth because many revolutions were thought to happen during times of intense solar flares. And empaths are very sensitive to, to those changes, so it's hard to track them because most don't track the solar flare activity. But we're sensitive to what's happening in, in the universe and in our highly intense electromagnetic world. And so this is real. I mean, I call these people electrosensitive because they have a particular sensitivity to this electromagnetic spectrum. Let me ask you this question, and maybe you can touch upon it. Um, you know, we're seeing all sorts of diagnoses uh, today in the world of psycho psychology and psychiatry. Of course, you know that. Yeah. Um, we're They're seeing growing. A all the diagnoses growing, are growing. <laughs> growing. And, you know, the new term, well, it's not so new, but it's new, is called dual diagnosis. And it's that term that we see a lot when we're looking at addiction and perhaps some of the other mental challenges that people are most familiar with. This is growing, growing, growing. Are the classifications growing because the, the number of occurrences are growing or is it getting more complicated for us to understand? Well, I think people are feeling many nuances of discomfort. <laughs> Didn't yeah. describe before, and so the you know the scientists and the physicians are trying to clump those symptoms of discomfort and put a, a name to them. Dual diagnosis is when you have a psychiatric diagnosis plus a chemical dependency diagnosis, and so that that's been around a while. I mean, I used to work in chemical dependency units 20 years ago, and there was dual diagnosis units then. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's it's common, but what's happening with regard to our empathic nature and people getting more sensitive is that they're feeling, you know, a wide myriad of symptoms that medicine can't explain because they don't understand that we have these energy fields penetrating our bodies and extending way beyond them, and that we can sense the energy of others. And until traditional medicine understands that. They will have no contacts with which to understand empath. And so it's well, a big missing piece. And one of the things that I was struck by, and, and that's why I wanted to skip the break, is because um, my friends and, you know, you and I are in this profession and, um, you know, I'm in the psychology arena. Yeah. And one of the things that I was struck by, and perhaps you can talk about this, is and I've shared this on air, you know, my mother committed suicide when I was six, but I was struck by my friends that are in the community and, and the, the, the rise of suicides here in the past, um, I would say the past six months. And yeah. there are statistics now showing it. Um, and, you know, is there, what is the relationship between not being able to take any more, let's say, uh, and, and, you know, being an empath. What what is this correlation? What have you discovered? Well, that that's the extreme. Yep. Example of an empath without help, where the yep. world is just too much, the pain is just too much. They have no tools. They have nothing. They have no hope. And that's the extreme of an untreated empath. And it can happen. 
And there are perhaps other elements contributing to that, you know, in, in addition to being an empath. But the thing is, it's such a big element if you're an empath yeah. and you have sensory overload that if it's not, you know, really examined compassionately and worked with, it can push somebody over the edge who has, yeah. you know, maybe biochemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. And so it's such a big element to mental health. And it's Mental Health Month this month, you know, in May. And so, you know, it's important for everyone experiencing any kind of emotional difficulty or physical difficulty to take this test at the beginning of the Empath Survival Guide and see if you're an empath. It's an easy diagnosis to make. And when people take that test, they can say, oh, my God, this is what I am, and I had no idea before, but now I know what to do. And I can't tell you what a missing piece is is for certain people. Not everyone, because not everyone's an empath. I don't want to make it sound like the whole world is an empath. No, no. God, there are a lot of us. Yeah, there are a lot. But, you know, one of the things I want to make sure we talk about, too, here is you provide tools in the book. You know, you provide ways for people to heal. You know, you provide information on setting limits and boundaries. So there are things that people can learn from your book to help them like now. But immediately, you know, what? how long does it take to feel better? Just try one simple exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and there's a breathing exercise that I, I love to just count to six. Breathe one, two, three, four, five, six, and hold it. Down one, two, three, four, five, six, and do that three times. And that's one easy way to begin to calm and center yourself. Because empaths need to develop self-soothing techniques. And they need to learn how to bring themselves down when they're overstimulated. And one tool that I use in my life is that, you know, I drive, I used to drive my own car places so that I could leave when I please. Because empaths often tend to get overwhelmed in social situations that go on for hours. And they need to go home. And so I bring my own car so I could leave at one or two hour mark, which I know is my max. And so the self-care as an empath is knowing that about myself, honoring it, sharing with my friends who understand about it. So nobody thinks it's their fault. Because when you leave, people often think they did something wrong. But I leave all the time places. They just know that about me. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Scarlett Johansson before, and there's a film she did called Lucy. And there's a scene in that film where, you know, after she has taken this this drug that increases, you know, her capacity, her cerebral capacity, the brain starts to grow and enhance. There's this beautiful scene where she calls her mother, and she tells her mother, Everything she can sense, everything she could feel, mm-hmm. every touch that her mother ever had. It was just, there was a moment from that film where if you watched it, you had to know that she, the person, not the actor, had a sense of what it would, must be like for that. Because not many people could have pulled that scene off. Um, And it was such a beautiful description, and I remember it so vividly and thinking to myself, everyone that's highly sensitive might want to watch that scene. Mm, Because 
it's so hard to describe to another person what we're feeling. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's so hard to to describe it in a way that people want to hear us. Do you help others with learning those skills as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, the first uh, trick is to identify it in yourself. I'm an empath. I have these sensibilities. I need alone time to revive myself. Um, I'm sensitive to noise, smells, and excessive talking. Um, you know, I'll, I, I prefer being around one-to-one or small groups rather than large groups or crowds. You just identify these qualities in yourself. You go, fine, I'm going to love those qualities. I'm going to accept them, and I'm going to try and create a community around me of people who can honor them. You know, so that, that's really important. And so, you know, I do uh, phone sessions and I do Skype sessions, so I'd be willing to help anyone who wants, you know, to have help via that mechanism. But I think the book, you know, can really just give you the tools you need, and you can go any chapter you want. You can go to empaths and work. What is the best work environment for empaths or empaths and health? You know, what's causing you to absorb all this energy and how do you stop doing it so you can feel more comfortable emotionally and physically? Um, empaths and love, we haven't touched on that. No, so how are yeah. you, you know, how can you be an empath in a healthy relationship without getting overwhelmed by too much togetherness? So there are all kinds of issues that empaths have to deal with. And at the end of the book, there's a summary of all the protection strategies in the book that you can flip through easily and just find the ones that you resonate with. I mean, one I love is picturing myself as an open window and having the wind blow through me, taking away anything that might have stuck to me, any symptoms, any stress, anything. To just feel that beautiful wind blowing through my being and I don't have to do anything but feel it. And that, yeah. for me, is a very effective one because it works and it's easy and I like it. So you just have to find the protection strategy in the book that resonates with you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for today. It, it It's a fabulous book. It's so needed in the world. And, you know, Dr. Orloff, thank you so much for everything that you do year after year. You are just like the Energizer Bunny of good vibes. Oh, thank you. I love my work. It's my passion. I know. And we can all tell. Thank you for today. Um, we're going to take a short break, everyone. Please get a copy of the book. And when we come back, um, we're going to continue this conversation in a different way. Thank you so much, uh, much, Dr. Orloff. Very welcome. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.